electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, post nine of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber back tomorrow. Pre-market a little soggy here, even with yields mostly lower. Big week, obviously, with the jobs number under our belt. We'll get inflation data and uh, first batch of bank earnings on Friday. Our roadmap's going to begin with the macro backdrop. Stocks and investors set to digest the jobs number. Uh, CPI, retail sales, as we said, bank earnings on tap. Exxon eyeing this potential mega deal, reportedly in talks to buy shale driller Pioneer. And Tesla cutting prices again the fifth time since January. Let's begin, though, with the markets kicking off a new week, Jim. A little bit of a rearview mirror, but I do want to get your take on what you thought of the print on Friday. Well, I thought the print was sanguine. You kind of look like on the surface that oh, things are cooling a little bit and everything wages down a little bit. Not, not I mean, the, the I'm sorry, the advance of wages don't have that same uh, the rate of rate of change, as we would say, like the calculus stuff is not bad. But I, there was a Bloomberg story that really caused me sh- to shudder. It came out later, which is commercial lending fell by nearly $105 billion in the last two weeks of March. Huge chunk from small banks. So then I'm thinking, well, wait a second. What was the cadence of that, that labor report? Maybe it went down like this. And travel and leisure, of course, is still below where it was in 2019. That's, that's kind of where people are going out still because they're not buying things. But I'm beginning to wonder whether there wasn't something at a regional bank or the smaller banks which just said, we got, we got to be careful how much we lend because let's say people take the money out and put it in T-bills or they take it to money funds. We may not have as much to lend, and we don't want the bank examiners coming all over us and saying, how could you be so cavalier when the bank examiners themselves were cavalier out west and are all going to be in trouble? Oh, man. This, uh, this journal piece about the auditors, KPMG, for example, uh, on, on SVB just a couple of weeks before the collapse – uh, pointing out some things, but not the things. No, so I think that the things uh, are, you know, we have these stressful banks, we have the banks that are stressed, but how about if you're just a major regional bank and they'll come in and say, listen, guys, we have to be sure that if you had to do hold the maturity issues that you won't be Silicon Valley Bank. So you would halt. Now, that you want to continue to loan, but you also say, I don't want to be the next bank that's sanctioned, because then the money will just flow right out of mine. So I want to know the cadence of the employment number, because if it was oh, good, 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 and then phew, in the last two weeks, that should affect the thinking. But it also makes me think, what was Loretta Mester looking at? What was Bullard looking at, James Bullard looking at, when they were as if the mini crisis isn't happening? You surely don't want key people in the Federal Reserve to not acknowledge that there's a hundred, this this Bloomberg piece is 105 billion in the last two weeks. Commercial bank deposits um, fell by 64 billion. Well, that's clearly a case of like, well, hold on, we don't want to keep all our money with one bank. So I, I worry more about the that, and I know that it's not the Jamie Dimon interview again. I know, yep. I'm not saying it's 2007, 2008. I am saying. 
Could you really keep raising in an atmosphere where you see such a decline in lending? Yeah. Uh, to Jim's point, he mentions uh, Jamie Dimon talking to CNN. Uh, if, there or, if there are more bank failures, he says, honestly, they'll be resolved and it'll be the last of them. I think we're getting near the end of this particular uh, crisis. Um, I guess to your point about the, the lending data, the biggest drop on record those last two weeks wow. in March. And that is fresher data than the jobs number was. That's, the yes. survey week was the week of the 10th. Yeah, I think a lot of people who are used to, say, an Adobe accounting of how you did that day or a Salesforce accounting of how you did midday or an AI of how you did it minute to minute would be saying, would these people be saying, would they be as, uh, let's say, as uh, pro more, more rate hikes? When the numbers clearly show you that you got to pause. Right. Here or can you go May? Have you got to pause here? I think these numbers were shocking to me because you got to find out whether things get back to normal quickly or whether things go get worse because you know that there are a lot of examiners who could lose their job about what happened. And, uh, you know, and Mary Daly is going to be under scrutiny in San Francisco. And I just feel like, well, wait a second. Uh, if I were the Fed, I'd say, you know what, we've, we're seeing some data that indicates there's big decline in lending. So we, we've got to wait a bit versus just putting in some knee jerk increase in the face of what is. I mean, first Republic's at thirteen dollars and every the end of the crisis. Okay, the end of the crisis. Well, how are hearing the end of the crisis? What it's just like, well, first Republic gets saved and everything's good. I mean, that seems a little bit uh, I'm not calling for a general Custer annihilate, you know, battle of Bighorn. But I am saying that I'm not seeing anything that says First Republic's getting a lifeline. Uh, well, we'll see. They are suspending some preferred uh, dividends. Right. But if I were in there, I would say, oh, my, now they don't get that preferred money. Now, they do have the ability to go to the bank window and sell their held to maturity. Uh, but I also think that it's a deposit situation. And it's, it's not a credit situation. It's deposits. And I just don't see the big investor who's come in. And made it so you want to stay the course there. Well, will, will it make a difference to you this week if the inflation numbers run hot? Would you then be saying, all right, maybe, maybe they got to do one more? That is the real problem, Carl, because it, 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 we're still not, wages are not down from where they were. And if, if you need to see, if the if Federal Reserve is committed to deflation and not to let it, let's see what happens, then they, they're going to do what I think is wrong. And I'm only focusing on that bank lending in the last two weeks because it took my breath away. When you have the lowest bank lending since the Federal Reserve's been keeping numbers. I, 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 the data well, goes back to the early 70s. That takes out 2007, 2008. Yeah. So I think that when I think about who the hawks on the Fed, I would have liked them to say, you know what, we do need to look at this lending because maybe the, maybe that lending is going to dry up. And the only, I'm doing some work for Mad Money on this is just the incumbent, incumbent's ball. Like, who is going to challenge the incumbents if nobody can get new money? I guess I'd say two pieces of good news incrementally. One is Mannheim, uh, used cars. Yes. Uh, down 1.5 on the month, down 2.4 on the year. That's going to help uh, a net net. It, it sure does, because we started having go up, right. and that made it so that if you look, I, I've got to dispute these Ford. I mean, I, there's just a number of stories saying that Ford is cutting price on the, the Lightning. It's not like that. There's just a... There's, a, there's two markets where they sent a lot of them and where they didn't. So, like, take, take Ford off the table. Say Mannheim goes down. Um, we are, you, know, you take a ConAgra, which is a, a broad food company. They're not raising, they're not raising right, it They anymore. told you last they week. They put through price increase after price increase. We'll have Albertsons. 
Uh, but I do think that there's some knee jerk. Well, CPI may not be as as weak, but as we need. But again, doesn't lending demonstrate business formation? We haven't seen from paychecks the kind of uh, cutoff in uh, business formation. But I'll tell you what I'm working on. I'm working on a California thesis. One fifth of the country's California. California is seeing a degradation. We saw it from Costco. Not that good. Now, uh, Con- Constellation uh, has a lot of California business. I thought Constellation was really good, but they weren't talking about California because the weather was bad. Uh, I, I, you look at, we have to look more at Walmart. A lot of these guys are not breaking out California, but California may be appreciably weaker, and it's a fifth of the country, both from the storms and from banking. And let, we got to see that bounce back. I, look, I think this is a great time to say we've really got to reassess, but we will come on hard if, um, if wages don't come. They take that. I think that that's a perfectly reasonable statement. No mm-hmm. one's saying that's easy on, uh, on inflation. What that's saying is we got to be sure that our work is not putting us in, in, in a big downturn because we do not want banking lending to go off the cliff like this. Because that means that anybody who already has a business does great, and anybody who could challenge a business is going to yeah. fail. Um, we did get some decent net client inflows at Schwab. I uh, know that was a break. Also, the uh, if you look at a chart of Google searches for deposits or withdrawals, that's evened off. People are, are checking in less on banks. Yes, stuff. they are, but they pulled out a lot of money. This Schwab issue I thought was a canard. I did a lot of work on Schwab, and they have a lot of sticky assets. They are very different from... They're not really, you know, they have a bank business. But the idea that Schwab somehow is just going to have this outflow to Fidelity, Schwab's a good company. That's the highest march in their history. Uh, I just think, I mean, I don't want to go so far as to say Schwab's a buy because it could still go. I mean, the financials are not where you necessarily want to be. But the raid on Schwab has to end. It was a raid. I mean, every day you hear that there's something wrong with Schwab. And I would come back and say, are you kidding? Are the customers fleeing? The customers were clearly not fleeing. And I, I just think the franchise is being undervalued by a lot of people who don't realize it. They have a custody for a huge number of registered uh, advisors. And uh, that that business is the regular business is terrific. I remember when it, and Goldman will not necessarily acknowledge it. But I remember when I made a presentation years and years ago about they should buy Schwab. And part of your business development uh, well, side I business? Just, I, I don't know. I, was, I wasn't working at the network at the time. <laughs> but I, I had this idea, well, Schwab is a good, really good. And then Schwab went down in value. This was during the heyday. And, and now it's funny because you look at Schwab, you think, geez, maybe Schwab should have bought Goldman. <laughs> uh, speaking of M&A, got some M&A on the energy front, we think. The Journal does say over the weekend that Exxon has held informal early stage talks with Pioneer about a possible acquisition of the shale driller. Sources tell the paper that if a deal were to happen, likely wouldn't come together until later this year or in 24. Nor, no formal process here, No, I Jim. mean, you know, RBN Energy was rushed to Brazil. He's got a conference in June of which, uh, of which Scott is the keynote. Now, it's, we get some differing ages on him, whether he's 70 or 71. Young, sorry. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you, it's, we, you have to understand that this stock traded at 287. And it's not like Sheffield's going to say, you know what, I'm going to sell for 240. So it's going to have to be a, a three-handle is what I think. And the idea that it's only up 12 is actually daunting to me because it says there may, may not be a deal. This is one of the biggest positions my terrible trust has. I've been behind Scott forever. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand he's not going to sell for less than it traded at. They have a huge amount of cash. They can't even 
do the kind of buyback that I think that they'd like, given the fact that Washington's all over them. 600000 a day in the Permian. These guys are, what the, some people say, a $15 all-in cost. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I can't, but no, he's got, he's got, some people say it's only a $15 cost and there's other, other figures. Yeah. So let's call it, say, 20 But holy, think about it. The company's making a huge amount of money. Um, Scott's very committed to, thinks his stock is radically undervalued. So why would they, why would he, Get, say, hey, listen, you know, right somewhere from here is the stock was at this level not that long ago. Yeah, interesting. We're also going to get, we'll get a Conoco Investor Day on Wednesday. Yes, that's going to be uh, very important. They're doing quite yeah. well. But, um, you know, B of A's got some charts today, which we'll look at later, that they, they say argues recession. One of the charts is looking at how crude is not responding to at least the cutbacks in output that we're getting. I, I thought that was surprising. I thought it would go to 90. Um, I, and the other side is I thought China was kicking in. Uh, but I also say that at 80, Pioneer's worth a substantial amount more because they make so much money per barrel. And Exxon's stock is doing great. And Exxon, uh, I think, needs permian, needs more permian. That's just a nice bump for them if they got it. No bidding war. It would not be a bidding war. But I truly believe that Pioneer's worth substantially more than it's selling. Particularly with how, how well Exxon stock is Yeah, performed. it is remarkable. Uh, FT had a chart last week. If you took Brent at 85 and adjusted for inflation, in like 2018 dollars, you'd be low 70s, which the FT argues is oil's cheap. Oil's cheap. I, right I think oil's cheap. I don't know why oil doesn't figure in, in the basket that much of what the Fed's thinking, uh, because it, it's you know, everything from... You know, Matt Post did this great piece about, about uh, why these retailers are undervalued. And cotton down and oil down. I mean, these are they're kind of metaphors. Your natural gas bills down big. Uh, clothing's not increasing in price. So where is supermarket is still an issue? And wages. You got. I mean, I, I'm just so afraid that a mester wants to see people getting pay cuts. You know, now people are making a million dollars a year at Meta. Whoa. Well, here's a pay cut for you. You're fired. Yeah. Well, we are maybe some pay cuts at McDonald's, uh, the journal over the weekend. Why isn't their takeout worth a, are all takeouts equal now? I mean, when Meta's paying you five months uh, severance. Severance. And so, yeah, that severance echo. Uh, When we come back, speaking of energy, Tesla cutting prices again, the stock extending its double-digit decline for April so far. Take a look at the pre-market. Obviously, a lot on tap in the next few days. Uh, Starting out on a bit of a weak note, more Squawk on the Street after the break. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner, too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a, like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Shares of Tesla extending their losses for the month. The company cutting prices on its lineup for the fifth time this year, including five grand each for the Model S and the Model X. 
Tesla also planning a new factory in Shanghai to build Megapack high storage batteries. Couple calls today, Jim. Uh, Saganaki reiterates his underperform. He's been of the yeah, view he, that these he, price cuts are not driving enough demand. Well, you know, I, I'm torn on these. I mean, obviously, you don't do price cuts if you have an increase in demand. And like the Ford Mach-E, well, now maybe they have to cut price. Maybe he's keeping others out of the industry. The Bolt, I don't know, is doing well. But I keep coming back to what Scott, you know, when you go back to what Stephen Schur said, he, it hurts global. He's basically buying all the Teslas he can. So now that's a fleet buy. But it makes me think, why do they have to cut if Hertz would buy it? Every, I mean, Hertz wants its fleet to be very heavy uh, in electric. So I find these cuts quizzical. Mm-hmm. Of course, they hurt the gross margins. He, his number of cars that he's making is big. But maybe China's so competitive. Mm. That's what I worry about, right. China. Uh, well, he certainly, he can take the pain uh, better than others. That's what the street would argue. The other thing, Jim, is um, the EPA here looking to even get tighter on yes. tailpipes because they want half of new EVs in nine years to be, or half of new cars to be EVs. Well, and this is the problem if you're Ford and GM and why their stocks are so low. The, the internal combustion engine business of Ford, I mean, it's selling like 600,000 F-150s. They make a fortune on the F-150. Well, is this place supposed to go away? Is there union jobs, and it's very hard to switch. It's very easy to make. There are very few parts in, a, in an EV versus the ICE. Uh, I, this was very bad for Ford, and I, I like Ford very much. It's a big position for my child trust, but you don't want Ford squeezed on both, squeezed, squeezed on ICE and squeezed on EVs. This I mean, is the whole Jonas playbook right here, it, it the, the, the pain involved in in navigating away from that business. Candidly, at times, I've made a little sport of Jonas, but he's the one who's most right. I think he's the one most right. And it's worrisome because I want Ford to succeed. But you've got this. They'll have to cut for Maki. Uh, uh, unless they say, listen, our demand is extraordinary. But, wow, I mean, they have to, they need prices higher in order to make the transition. And they're not lower. Now, last time, by the way, Tesla lowered. And then the buyers came back, yes. and then they raised them again. That's so exactly let's, it's right. certainly not. A, I mean, he's got the ability because of his unique uh, system. We have, he can rise. You know, it, it's very hard for Ford dealership network to do it. Uh, he's a very smart guy, and he may just be saying, "I don't like the drumbeat of 600,000 Ford cars going out at the end. That I don't like that progression." And that's smart. He's not going to admit it. He won't even acknowledge that Ford has a car. That's right. He's busy on with the Twitter headquarters of Sun. Yeah, I don't know he's seen got that. a lot on his plate. Twitter's going to be immensely <laughs> profitable. I mean, like, you know, when it's a private company. Yes. <laughs> when know. we come back. Wow. Yeah, sure. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. A lot to get to still this morning as a busy week is on tap. Don't go anywhere. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. Time for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. I think even with Micron at 60 to 61, it does not take into account the enormity of the decision for Samsung to blink. Now, in that last quarter, if you dig down, the problem with now the stock did jump. The problem with Micron was very, very clear. You could not get an inventory glut across their entire portfolio 
until Samsung blinked. And Samsung definitively had done the opposite. They were flooding the zone because Samsung didn't care as much about profits. Well, all of that's changed. Big memory price, uh, memory production cuts. That immediately should cause it. Now, it doesn't mean that you should go by LAM or applied materials. Those stocks went up the last time when Micron poured. That's wrong. But this was a clearing event right here where you're going to say, you know what? We are done with the glut of DRAMs. Now, when you're done with the glut of DRAMs, well, here you are. Okay? That's, that is where this stock should be heading. Now, uh, Sanjay Marotra, who is, I think, doing a great job in the face of what Samsung was doing, was adamant to me that, you know what, Jim, well, this is an historic, not just this quarter, that as long as Samsung's pumping them out, it's really hard. Right. I have felt that Samsung did not play fair. I think that a lot of times when you get a company like Samsung, they're not looking at gross margins. They're looking at the need to hire people, have people keep people to work. But if they're pumping it out and they don't care about end markets and you have PCs down 37 percent, oh well, you're never going to get a bottom. I'm glad you mentioned the IDC numbers. Wow. Uh, I mean, Apple down 40. It's Q1, but Apple down 40, Dell down 30. Right. HP looked relatively good down yes, 24. Yes, it did. I know. And, and Enrique, Enrique Laura has been doing a good job. But, yeah, down less. But, you know, Samsung was not considering the sales. They were making the same amount whether sales were up. And so, therefore, it doesn't matter. But if Micron does not have that gross margin problem, then you really are at the beginning of another big move with Micron, and you should buy it. The fact that it's up here, now a lot of people think we're saying, are you kidding me? This thing's dead in the water. But this stock has a history of finishing last in the S&P or at the top. Yeah. And we've just had last. So if you get a glutz over, boom! So I say continue to buy Micron at this level. My channel trust does not own it. We wish we did. <laughs> Uh, good call. We'll talk more about uh, chips in the uh, framework of the broader tech rally going on, or at least the one that has been. Uh, opening bell coming up in a couple of minutes. And don't forget, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. They are not superior to the people of Florida. And so come hell or high water, we're going to make sure that that policy of Florida carries the day. And so they can keep trying to do things, uh, but ultimately we're going to win on every single issue involving Disney. I can tell you that. That's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on CNN Thursday, once again taking aim at Disney, telling people to buckle up, Jim, uh, that they will consider maybe new taxes, new tolls on roads that lead to Disney. Very interesting. So Bob Iger talks about how he's anti-business. I think Bob Iger wasn't strong enough in this. I think if you had a radical Democrat, uh, uh, the likes of which, say, Aline, uh, well, I, I don't think Elizabeth is, uh, Senator Warren is, is radical, but a lot of people do. Yeah. I think what she would do is she would put taxes on hotels and she would put tolls on bridges. That's what you do if you're a left-wing put politician. Now, DeSantis, maybe he's trying to appeal to the radical left. Maybe he <laughs> thinks he has a shot with them. You know, he can be uh, all sorts of stuff and personal, but he's clearly in league with those, like, let's call Sanders. I bet you Senator Sanders, he's a reasonable man, but I bet you he wants big hotel taxes because it's on the rich. So DeSantis has pivoted dramatically to not getting the, he's pivoting to not getting the nomination because he's so anti-business. So Iger should press his bet. Because he, Iverson say, listen, I, I don't favor that kind of tax, but maybe he's bigger than taxes. I thought that was against the Republican ethos. 
We're going to see how Disney responds. Um, we did get some Star Wars and Indiana Jones stuff over the weekend. Uh, and we'll talk more about the media space in a second. Let's get the CNBC real-time exchange and the opening bell at the big board. It is Taylor Morrison celebrating the 10th anniversary of its listing. Uh, CEO Cheryl Palmer will join us in an exclusive next oh, hour. Very good. Housing is, is critical, but actually the land on housing. I think that there's too many people who say that, look, their housing starts aren't where they should be. I will come back and say, do you know how hard it is to be able to break the zoning? I mean, I'm in Pennsylvania, where, where, where there's absolutely a fantastic Toll Brothers franchise. Everybody, all the little municipalities trying to keep Toll Brothers out. And, and I think they're a responsible builder, but there's, uh, if you have every municipality saying, wait a second, it's very hard for a home builder to say, you know, full speed ahead. Now, a lot of them own a lot of land. Yeah. And they should be building more homes, but uh, supply chain just got better. I don't know. I mean, look at that. These, these companies are, they, their stocks are actually up during a period where I think the Fed would say, why is that? But I think it's because they're, everything they put, they put up gets bought because there's so few homes. Right. Well, we'll and, see. You know. Spring's coming. Uh, actually here. I mean, yeah. the selling season, I mean. And we'll see yeah. if the seasonality this year is stronger than usual or not. I, I totally agree. Now, the Gen X and Gen Y, I might not really know these gens. I am sure that they're terrific gens. <laughs> uh, but I know this, that when you speak to Steve Squeary at American Express, when you speak to any of these home builders, what they say is, look, there's a whole new generation that is desperate to get out of it house and they've been in the house for a long time and i would tell you that those guys people are natural home buyers but they're just waiting for supply not just that apollo with a great chart today on the pace of immigration in this country we're finally getting back to uh, a pre-pandemic trend which is part of the reason you got uh labor force relatively stronger actually the the prime age employment aid in this country is back to pre-code you know you don't i always hate to generalize because you don't want to say, okay, this is who would work in a restaurant, but we did a lot of work at our restaurants to say, well, who will take certain jobs? And we're perfectly willing to hire people who have, white collar people who've spent, who've been incarcerated, uh, perfectly willing to, to anybody who came in, but we ceased to get immigrants. And I felt that a lot of it was a fear during the previous administration that if they surfaced, uh, we would be forced to ask them for for documentation yeah. because of our payroll processor. And this is really great. It's Look, I think our country's fabulous. I still am waiting, uh, as Nelson Peltz would say, about the millions of people who want to go to China. I see a lot more people who would like to come here. But, uh, but Latin America has historically produced a terrific workforce. And that's just a godsend for, that's what Pal needs. He needs people, you know, we do have a big minimum wage increase in a lot of places, but when your minimum wage meant nothing when you're trying to find a dishwasher, you're going to pay much above minimum wage. I'm glad you mentioned China, though. Uh, what a weekend. Some of these uh, sea drills in the South China Sea. What is uh, Macron's visit to Beijing. Oh, Big my. fancy video online now of his visit. And the degree to which France, how will they? Ha- how would they handle a, a crisis situation regarding Taiwan? What, some I people aren't know. sure. I mean, I know that Speaker McCarthy did not care about Xi. Uh, when he decided to have a meeting, I think that you've got to have more than a destroyer in there. Look, we, it's time. It's time for the U.S. to recognize that's where the a fleet needs to be. Because it, it won't necessarily be, by the way, by military. They could easily start influencing politics there. Uh, 
But if you ask me what is the, the existential threat to the world, it's them realizing, wow, we don't have the H. Remember, they don't have the H100. They do not have the Invit. Boy, how about that Alphabet doing their test against the A100? I mean, that's like saying, okay, listen, we're going to do against a, a two-cylinder That really car stuck in your crop. I was very upset about that because it came out right before we got the benchmarks, which show that the H100 is so much more powerful. And some of my friends who are not in the business were saying, hey, listen, it sounds like Alphabet's caught up. But the H100 is something, if, if you're, you know, if you're she, you say, I, I can't do the things I want. ASMLF, I can't build the chips I need. So we could starve their military, uh, although uh, it, it's a bit of a numbers game. They're there. We're here. We, if we don't start projecting power in the old-fashioned way of demonstrating, listen, you will not, uh, it will be a, against the U.S. if you attack Taiwan, which has not been our position, then I think that there's going to be another way the Chinese are going to try to take over Taiwan. They need Taiwan. They need Taiwan, and we may have a chipset, but we're not. The, Taiwan's making far more advanced. You know, when you talk to NVIDIA, you know, they just design. I mean, without Taiwan. If you talk to AMD, they just design without Taiwan. And Taiwan is so radically a lower cost than anything we do in this country. Uh, this is a, Taiwan is truly at the heart of our semiconductor industry. And we didn't. Senator Mc, you know, Speaker McCarthy got it, by the way. Speaker yeah. McCarthy really understands that. How important this is. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a hole that we dug for ourselves over the course of 30, 40 years. Yeah, but. I mean, when Intel used to make things here, uh, we were we were so inexpensive, but you can't make the profit margins that you can make over there. Now, it is interesting that the LAM researches are starting to go down. That's in reaction to Samsung. That is not in reaction to Taiwan. Yeah. Micron is the uh, biggest S&P gainer. Uh, that makes so much sense. Uh, followed by Pioneer, Jim, which we talked about a moment ago. Well, Western yeah. Digin there, too. Western Digits, look, they have a big, they, they, they've got, you know, some memory, big memory. And, and wow, that's good to see that it's, that if, if, if the South Koreans cut back on everything, it's great for Western Digits. And Western Digits, some of these tech companies are selling, you look at them, five, six times earnings. And you say to yourself, how long is that sustainable? How can we have so many companies selling at five, six times earnings? This is my thesis I'm working on tonight, which is that maybe we're too negative. Now, we do have Jamie Dimon going to be talking about the Republic, and we do have not Republic Bank, although he could do that, too. <laughs> uh, but probably I, not by name. No, but, yeah. but, I mean, when you have a Fed possibly tightening, then you're not, it's not halcyon days for thinking this is the time to go pick, pick up anything. But take an EOG. EOG is a really great oil company. And if that stock's only up a buck... Are you kidding? Uh, it's actually, you know, coming off the jobs number. I know Goldman, for example, said it was encouraging news for a soft landing. That's Jan Hatzius. But others then said, well, in that case, let's see how Caterpillar trades on Monday. Let's see how Danaher, URI, whether or not that, that gets some legs. Two um, travel trust teams. Now, Caterpillar trades as if the recession is here. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The recession is here at Caterpillar uh, because the stock is now completely rolled over 13 times earnings. Uh, Danaher has got a major change. They're getting rid of a lower multiple business, so their multiple's going to go up. Historic, the Danaher people are very upset at where their stock is. Look out. When they're upset, they do something. This is not just some company. When you ask companies in the industrial world, what do you like? We aspire to be Danaher. Well, 
they aspire to be Danaher, that means they're stock seller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yep. I, I happen to think Danaher is just a fantastic company. And the fact that it just goes down is really much more people feel it's a COVID hangover because because they made the fancy uh, they they made the, the the fancy test. But I just think it's a great opportunity. Uh, we mentioned the Disney news uh, at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll get uh, potentially some new streaming uh, color from WBD this I week. I think that's going to be an explosive meeting. I think that they're going to talk about how what they did with CNN was right, and CNN is coming in strong. I think there's going to be a level of discipline that's going to surprise people. Uh, the stock is down very, very big. They are really improving their cash flow and improving their debt takedown. And when you have that, you start saying to yourself, Maybe this is an opportunity. You know, those who like, you know, those who discount Zaslav do so at their own peril. Uh, Truist today initiates with a buy. I like that piece. Yep. Uh, and then James Gunn was interviewed and did say he told, told Variety, "I'd be lying if I said we haven't discussed a Marvel DC crossover in the past." I mean, again, that would leverage a lot of what David has assembled there. I think David's got fantastic talent. I think that, but let, let's just so people at home know. Uh, David is loved by a surprising number of people. This is a man that a lot of people are rooting for. And that is an important thing when it comes to the stock price. Because if he gives the kind of razzle-dazzle meeting that I see, where he's going to lay out some debt, uh, some debt pay down, I think you're going to pay 20 for the stock. 20. That's Zaslav's uh, real. Yeah, I mean, Jessica, B of A's gotten pretty constructive yes, since the beginning has. of the year. And don't forget CNN under Chris Lick. Now, Chris Lick is in a difficult position because I don't think you want him to be loved. Now, I, I, sometimes I, you know, you speak to these guys and you try to figure out who's more hated. Now, I do have my Twitter data, and, and I don't know whether I'm ahead or not. You know, no longer. You does, used to say you were the most hated. Man. Well, I had this this Putin problem, where sometimes Putin came in ahead of me, sometimes came below to me. I don't think Putin is really a guy you want to compete with. I mean, he's a powerful, hated figure. But I kept yes. my, my – now I don't do that because pride doesn't give me the numbers. <laughs> but it was a terrible thing to be hated as much as Putin because I regard some of the things he does versus, pretty, pretty versus what I've done with stocks. Uh, no. speaking, speaking of debt payments, Jim, we should probably get Tupperware on the record here after yeah. this going concern letter uh, and, and trying to shore up some liquidity positions here. Tupperware used to have this amazing French franchise that was so good. They had a remarkable Latin America franchise. Uh, they did have a tremendous uh, woman franchise. So uh, it is surprising to see that it's been such a death spiral. But, you know, look, it is a death spiral. That's the problem with Bed Bath. Now, I mean, everyone's talking about why you want to buy all these other guys from Bed Bath. There's still 360 Bed Baths. But Harmon is closed. And they're closing. And I think that this is the time to be looking at these off prices. Go over what Matt Boss said last weekend, definitive pieces on, on, on off price. The one that I also am trying to figure out, I really am, is, is RH, Restoration Hardware. Uh, Gary Friedman is so negative that I feel like I should talk him off a ledge. Uh, and he's so good at what he does. But when you go to the stores, it's very interesting. There isn't anything, and this is my bone to pick with, with Gary. I got, my wife handles our real estate portfolio, and we would love to find a sectional that is smaller so that we can bring it into our houses. And she's got quite a portfolio, yeah. but nothing, nothing. 
Uh, I'm thinking we do have, uh, for example, BMO today reiterates Nike outperform. I like that piece. I like that call. Uh, I was thinking about what Chip Berg told you uh, last week. I think we have some sound of, Yeah, let's again, get that. That about, was an important interview. About Chip's uh, view of uh, the consumer coming off the Levi print last week. Take a listen. There's no question the sector has been hammered since the fear of recession and the impact of inflation started. You know, the core Levi's consumer is a $50,000 income and up household. And that consumer is still demonstrating real resilience. It's a great point. When you look at the jobs that were in the Friday print, I mean, leisure hospitality, that, uh, that, that labor market has, is still tight. But I will say this, something that very few executives will even talk about. I wonder about pilferage. Do you know in areas in this in this in this hemisphere, currency is 508. Like you go to Mexico, it's 508, it's a currency. I think they're stealing. I think there's literally a problem in pilferage and shrinkage. And I want more executives to come out and say, okay, look, we got a problem. Now, for instance, at the Short Hills Mall, I was there for my and I saw this huge line of people going to get Rolex Rolex. I said, wow, outdoors, but it, it's pilferage, raw stores. They only let so many people in at once, pilferage. I think Levi's are a pilfered brand. Do you want to see jeans behind the case and you got to call the guy with the key? And can I, can no, I try these? They, they come faster with Amazon. <laughs> the Amazon guy comes faster than the person who opens the thing. Yeah. But I, Home Depot talked about, I mean, Home Depot's got a problem. CVS has a problem. Walgreens has well, a the problem. The drugstores we all understand. Yeah, but the only one that owned up to it was TJX. And TJX has fantastic undercover people. You should see how great their undercover people are. Having met, met some, they're there. Right. Uh, and uh, I think that, that everybody has to own up at once to the fact that it's so easy to fence on Amazon. Now, it's, um, this is my You mean work. resell, essentially. Yeah, resell, yeah. fence. So, I mean, think about it. You steal the, the jeans that are worth a lot. And you put them on Amazon, you have your own little website. Senator Durbin was supposed to be responsible for making it so that Amazon maybe would have to do some policing, but they don't. And I think that people are underestimating how much stealing there really is. Uh, it's changed, uh, certainly, the retail experience in Very America. So. Speaking of uh, sort of retail and commercial real estate, Jim, this piece uh, on the tape this morning about a Morgan Stanley call looking at the debt that's going to come due by the end of 24 in CRE. You're talking about a <laughs> trillion and a half. Uh, that's, that discussion is not going to go away just no, because we, <laughs> we don't have runs, right? It, it, it's not going away. And uh, when I see the, the bank figures that I mentioned earlier, uh, how much forbearance will there be? I don't think a lot. Uh, I think a lot of what we're going to see is in properties that are not converted easily enough into you know, these C and D properties. We need to see more people back to work. We just don't. You mean have in them office? Yet. Yes. You mean we still office. have these people who say, "Well, our people are far more productive on the on Friday," and I, I want to see that. I also think, look, the next story in April is going to be layoffs. I think there's going to be layoffs. I think the people who are coming out of college, uh-uh, bad. Coming out of business school, bad. Uh, layoffs coming because there's not enough assignments anywhere. No one seems to have enough to do. And the best performing stock of the large caps is Meta. So he's giving you a blueprint. Just exercise it. Exercise you mean like the like a, a Pied Piper of uh, headcount reduction? Well, I mean, worked out for Mark. What I'm hearing over and over again is, is that there were a lot of people who weren't doing anything. 
Uh, and that's not something that Zuckerberg but, will And now, they have, now they've got cover, which we said the day it happened. Hey, others, listen, others have cover. You know, McDonald's is hard because I know McDonald's, I mean, they would say, we got to close because we want to let people off in a way that has dignity. But they're not talking about hiring and dignity. Now, McDonald's is another stock. If you look at how it's done since we first heard about the layoffs, it, again, it says to a lot of companies, I was going to say Amazon, but Amazon knows. They hear the drumbeat. Yeah. But uh, can you imagine this? Carl, let's say Amazon woke up. Let's say uh, Oslovsky. They have a fabulous CFO. Let's say he woke up and said, you know what? 50,000 people. Let's do it. You think you'd be able to buy that stock where it is? I think that is, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to put this right out there. I think Amazon is the most dangerous short there is today. <laughs> On the prospect of further headcount. I think you could come in and that could be a slam jamma That could be just, wow, I shorted that at 100? You know, you short, you short that and send me an invitation to your funeral. I'm getting the Jim Fisk line that yes, I just love yes. so much. Uh, if that happens, Jim, uh, oh. we'll play this tape. Can I you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't think they watch us? Well, they, might, they replay. Uh, we're down 58 on the Dow, S&P holding 4075 roughly. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Hey, Bob. Good morning, guys. Uh, happy Monday. A little bit of pressure on the banks, a little bit of pressure on the defensive names. Take a look at the sectors. We had energy uh, on the upside. You know, oil's comfortably over $80. Uh, that's a nice help here. Healthcare, a little pressure. That's had a great run recently. Banks, good to see them in positive territory. A lot of pressure on the regionals last week. Tech's kind of a mixed performance. Uh, tremendous run uh, in semiconductors. That looks like it started to end last week. Just take a look at some of the tech names here. Semis were down about 4% last week. Uh, NVIDIA's just been an absolute monster uh, up almost 90% going into last week. Uh, it was down about 4 or 5% last week. Apple, unusually weak day. Apple's held up very, very well. So sort of a mixed picture, but some weakness starting to appear uh, in tech. Jim was mentioning Caterpillar. I called it the stock of the month last week. Uh, it was down about 9%. You see that move here. Nice to see that uh, a little bit of a bounce today. It was below its 200-day moving average. It hasn't been there uh, below that for quite a long time here. And talk about uh, compression on the multiple. It was 17 times forward earnings three weeks ago, and probably now it's just below 14, maybe 13 and a half forward earnings. So Jim's right about that. Keep an eye on that. The regional banks, again, last week were trading towards the low end of their recent trading range. First Republic, you heard late Friday night, uh, they uh, essentially uh, – uh, eliminated their dividend for the preferred stock. Uh, that's weighing on it. But nice little bounce here on those names. And it's good to see some stabilization there. There was a little worry about that uh, last week, but they're stabilizing today. Uh, so we see these rallies in defensive names, healthcare, um, consumer staples, utilities. Uh, that's starting to end. Johnson Johnson had a great run for individual reasons. United Health reporting on Friday. That had a monster week. Merck, Amgen, Walgreens all had really good moves uh, last week. And as you can see, that's starting to moderate right now. So the defensive play that was such a big part of the market last week is moderating. Uh, we're going into earnings season on Friday. As I mentioned, the banks and United Health will be reporting. Uh, and the one thing that is very obvious, it, it's debatable whether we're going into a recession or not, but we are definitely in an earnings recession. What is that? Well, folks, we're anticipating three consecutive quarters of down uh, earnings right now, not only the fourth quarter, but the first quarter, which is the one we're now going to be talking about, which is down 5%. And even the second quarter, the estimates are down 4%. And a lot of people are saying they usually beat 
there could be a situation now in this first quarter numbers where we actually get actually lower than the numbers are. And that's kind of the concern for the bears. We're talking about a basically flat 2023 right now because a lot of people believe the fourth quarter is going to see a nice move to the upside. So the big issues for earnings season are simply margin contraction. That's going to come largely from higher labor costs and waning pricing power that's out there. You're going to hear a lot about this that's going to happen on Friday. Uh, as for whether or not it, this is going to, the numbers need to be adjusted down more, it all depends on what side of the recession debate you are on. Julian Emanuel is very good at pithy commentary. He had one over the weekend, Carl. No bear market has ever ended before the recession started. It's a good point to keep in mind. Everybody who wants to act like we're past the recession and we're in the fourth quarter and earnings are going to bounce back again. We got to get through this first. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob. We'll talk in a bit, uh, Bob Pisani, this morning. As we go to break, let's check bonds. Not a lot of data on deck for the day. We'll get some wholesale inventories uh, in about 10 minutes. Uh, watch yields here, uh, mostly to the upside. They've been back and forth so far this morning. Overall, the Dow's down 67. Big piece of that is Apple, uh, biggest uh, loser at the moment, down almost 3%. Don't go anywhere. Jim, what's on Mad tonight? Okay, I, I'm beginning to wonder when I look at these low multiples. We did a low multiple piece this week. I'm thinking that we have to stop being as negative as we are. I know that we're going into a period of great turmoil, but I because of the banks. But I also am beginning to wonder that, in general, whether things, if you compare it to say two years ago, which I'm doing, there's really a surprising number of stocks that are below or worth a lot less than 2021. And we're in much better shape than that. So I'm I'm focused on, are we too negative? That's the name of the series. And I can't wait to give it. Oh, that's good. Thank well, you. Well, it helps explain why 4100 continues to be a bull. Well, it's exactly where we were yep. two years ago yep. this week. Yep. That's wrong. Jim, we'll see you tonight. Thank uh, you. Mad oh, Money, of course, to work with 6 p.m. Eastern time. We'll take a break here. Dow down 62. Busy morning. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner, too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a, like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.